This is Crime Connections, and we're your hosts. I'm Jackie. And I'm Leah. Typically, when I look into a case, I try to look into everything that includes rumors, connections, theories, all of the above that you can really think of. That brings me to today. In the beginning of looking into these cases, I only knew of one of the cases due to a Facebook group that I came across that is run by the victim's family. While I was doing my research, I came across five more girls that went missing and were found dead in Las Vegas during the 70s and 80s. Before moving forward, I do want to preference that these cases are not legally linked together, but in my opinion, should be. Now, let's get into it. So our first victim was Jody Marie Miller. On June 21st, 1971, Jody Miller, 13-year-old Garside Junior High student, she snuck out of her house by crawling through a bedroom window. There is nothing to indicate whether she was running away, going to a friend's house, or going to meet up with a boyfriend. There's really not much information other than she just crawled out of her bedroom window. Like a typical 13-year-old at times, yeah. Exactly. Jody was reported as a missing juvenile and last seen by a female friend on June 23rd, 1971. Now, I know it sounds weird because June 23rd to the 21st, that's a few days of her just Mm -hmm. in limbo. So I'm thinking what I think happened is she snuck out to go to a friend's house, stayed a few days, then on her way home, something happened. Do you think her parents knew that she was at a friend's house for those few days um so with these cases in general i just want to preference all of these cases since they are from the 70s and 80s most of the information is so limited it's insane there a lot of the coverage was on the newspaper and even locals said that was very limited as well so it doesn't say really much about her family other than she was reporting a few days later maybe it was a reoccurring thing Mm -hmm. maybe she snuck out and hung out with friends and then came back maybe her parents didn't notice i really don't know but that's what i'm thinking happened is she snuck out her parents didn't really say anything and then her friend might have talked to the parents and was like okay no she left a few days ago like Mm -hmm. where is she yeah sort of thing on november 2nd 1971 jody's remains were discovered by a local resident's dog who brought him a human foot she was wrapped in a plastic bag lying in a shallow grave in the desert area near Jones and Lone Mountain. She had been out there quite some time, mm-hmm. and unfortunately the dog found it and brought her foot to... So she was, deco- obviously, was probably very decomposed by yes. that point. Well, and you have to think, remember, this is in Las Vegas, so it's pretty freaking hot. hot, yeah. So even Especially if she in, was out there a week. What was it, June and July? Yeah, mm-hmm. that's really hot. Mm-hmm. So obviously, with heat, you're gonna decompose quicker mm-hmm. than if she was in the cold. Unfortunately, they never had any suspect or any answers to this case. After some time, this case went cold. Jody had brownish, reddish hair, lots of freckles, and she was your typical white young female of the age of 14. I also could not find a cause of death, which is very uncommon. I, I don't know. I've never come across a case where you can't find the cause of death. Yeah, where well, there's not an autopsy report that... Do, well, it's maybe because she was a minor that they didn't release the autopsy report and they didn't release the cause of death? Possibly. But with it being a homicide, normally they do an autopsy automatically. Yeah. So I'm not sure. So like I said, this case is still unsolved. While trying to find any information, I did find this blog talking about Jody's disappearance and murder. I want to say this is all he, he said, she said. Um, I can't prove any of this. It's not, you know, any... 
It's not like substantial. Yeah, it's there's, not, no, yeah. there's no evidence to back these up, but this is what people were saying on um, a blog. And I thought it was interesting enough to definitely let you guys know. So someone had said, I was the friend that was the last one to see her. We were at my house and I walked to the elementary school like we always did every time we were at each other's house. She didn't have a boyfriend. We were looking forward to being in junior high school. She was a free spirit and friendly, but I don't think she would have gotten into a car with a stranger. I do know that she was having problems with her family, but I do think it was more that they wouldn't let her do what she wanted, just a growing up type thing. Her parents were extremely strict. It still haunts me today that she went missing and wound up murdered. I wish I would have not let her go home that night. And she continues, they also said she was only missing for six months, but unless my memory has left me completely, I think she was actually missing for 13 months. And yes, while we were already in junior high school, technically we were going to be seventh graders. So she had explained like the junior high was originally sixth through eighth grade, but then that year that they were going to be seventh graders, they cut it to yeah. seventh and eighth grade. Okay. So it's kind of like they were being reintroduced to the junior high kind of. She was supposed to start candy striping at the hospital the next day. She was spending the night at my house and she had an asthma attack and went, wanted to go home. That's when I walked her to the elementary school. Yes, Jody had a wild streak, quote unquote, and she had issues with her family and there were several boys she liked. Would she get into a car with a stranger? We will never know. I remember the detectives coming to my house and asking me so many questions. My head was spinning but there were no answers that made any sense as to where she could have gone or where she would have gone, and I don't believe she ran away. If she did, she didn't tell me anything about it that night. There was no indication that she was going to, but again, you never know what's going on in someone's mind. I do remember when they moved from their apartments to their house. It was always dark and never seemed like a happy home. That's why she liked to come and spend the night at my house. It was all around a tragedy for her entire family and tore her family apart. I, too, can't listen to The Bridge Over Troubled Waters. It was a song that she loved that was played at her funeral. I was asked when I went to the funeral to look about and see if I noticed anyone that I didn't recognize, which, of course, I did because there were a lot of police present and she didn't know any of them. It's hard to believe they could never solve this murder. It would have been some type of closure for her family. I just hope they found some peace in their lives. And then she signed it off with Brenda G, which I think is kind of crazy. She says a lot there. So one, she answers the question, did her family care? Uh, it seems like they did. Mm -hmm. um, two, she, I'm assuming, this is a huge assumption, but from what this is saying, it seemed like she did quote unquote run away mm -hmm. multiple times because her family was strict and she didn't want to deal with being told what to do. Well, and that's which a is defiant very typical. age. Yeah, especially from like 10 to 13, you're going through all those hormonal changes. Yes. We were there at that time. Mm -hmm. The world was ending. We're so dramatic. <laughs> Literally, though. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, it, it makes sense, you know. The whole timeline doesn't really make sense to me, and this mm -hmm. could totally be a, a situation in regards to the time and the newspapers. and You know, it, it could make sense yeah. that things are not lining up now because it's been so long and the only evidence in news that you can get is from the newspapers that mm -hmm. some of them you can't even get anymore, period. So, you know, it makes sense. Or it can be justified, I guess you could say. It doesn't really make sense, but it could be justified for sure. Now, with all this being said, I find it strange that Brenda says she was staying the night. It makes me question, did she tell her parents she was staying the night? Did she actually crawl out of a window? Well, if it was something that she did before and it was somewhat characteristic of her, I could see her parents because 
this Brenda said that they were so strict, I could see her parents kind of, rather than being so worried about her not coming home, just kind of letting it go and being like, well, she's not going to come home. She's not going to come home. We'll ground lock, her or whatever. We're going to lock the doors back. and windows. She'll sleep outside. I mean, I could see that, especially back in that time mm-hmm. where you were made to mind in a way. And if you didn't, you got in trouble. But mm-hmm. I guess if she was having a wild streak, my guess is her parents were just like, well, don't leave the doors unlocked. Now look that I'm older, strict, what does that even mean? When you're younger, everything is strict. Yeah. When you're older, you're like, no, that makes sense. Like, yeah. your parents Everything's are literally unfair. trying to prevent you from mm-hmm. dying. Or, you know, like, something exactly. stupid. Yeah. So, yeah. were her parents strict? Who knows? Our next victim was Susan Ray Perron. So, on June 13, 1971, 14-year-old Susan Perron left her home to walk to a nearby swimming park called Lorenzi Park to meet up with family and friends. According to a family member, she was wearing flip-flops, a one-piece bathing suit, and her Uncle Rusty's work shirt. Her family separated from her and bought candy bars at the local gas station on their way to the pool, but Susan never made it to the pool. On April 16, 1973, the remains of a human skeleton were found in a desert area approximately five miles west of US-95 Highway off of Lone Mountain Road. Through dental records, it was determined that the skeleton remains were those of Susan, Her cause of death was determined to be blunt force trauma to the head. Still to this day, her case is unsolved. Susan had sandy brown, reddish hair, a lot of freckles, white, and looked like your normal preteen as well. So, I mean, they both look pretty similar. If you, when I post the photos, you'll see what I'm saying. They look, and they just, you know, looked happy and smiled in their little cute photos. And again, I could find practically nothing in regards to this case. It's kind of crazy to me, and it's so sad because you would think. I don't know. You would think the police well, this, would try to stir up something and re-release yeah. information on cold cases. Well, and this one seemed more family-oriented. Mm-hmm. It seems as though her family... I'm not saying that the other victim's family didn't care, but Susan's family, they were on their way to the pool. Mm-hmm. They were in candy bars, having a nice family day. So it's hard to believe that you couldn't find additional information. Yes. There should have been something. Yeah. And I did find a woman that was claiming to be a family member. I did reach out to her, but unfortunately I haven't heard anything back. It was on WebSleuth, so it's kind of not the easiest to get a hold of people. Mm-hmm. It's a weird platform. It's nice to get a lot of information from or to find people's family and friends, but it's also very hard to contact them on it unless you're constantly on it, which most people are not. So then our third victim was Jerry Ann Ralston. On May 21st, 1975, around 7 p.m., 15-year-old basic high school student Jerry Ralston told her dad that she was going to walk to the nearby store, the Maverick Service Station, on Boulder Highway. On May 22nd, 1975, Jerry's body was found in a swamp area near the Las Vegas Sports Stadium near her home. When she was found, she was still wearing the same clothes from the day that she had disappeared. The subsequent investigation determined that Jerry had been sexually assaulted and strangled. It appeared that her body had been disposed of a recovery site in an effort to conceal it. The actual murder site still has never been located. And again, her case is cold and still unsolved. There's no witnesses, nothing. Her cause of death was different, though, from... Yes. Um, She was still... They all have been, so far, from what I've read, they've all been beaten. Yeah, okay. But their cause of death is slightly different. And they were around the same age. And then Mm -hmm. Jerry was also a white young teen with short brown hair. So they all looked very similar as well. Mm -hmm. 
Then on to our next victim, our fourth victim, Vicki Lynn Breck. On May 7th, 1978, 15-year-old Vicki departed from her home at Braddock Street, North Las Vegas, to walk to a friend's house. She had called her friend and was to arrive around 5.30 p.m. However, she never arrived. On May 8, 1978, her body was discovered in the desert area to the east of Sunrise Mountain. The autopsy revealed that Vicky had died as a result of strangulation. So the next day. Oh, so the last two victims, they were found within a day. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Okay. And I will get into this later, but they have all were pretty close. They're, where they were found was all... Like location-wise? Yes. Mm. And again, this case was never solved and went cold. Vicky was a white young teen with brown hair. When she was younger, she had more of a reddish brown hair. So I think she, either she colored it or it just turned darker, mm-hmm. which does happen. This was the first victim I came across with the Facebook group. Her family is still very actively looking for answers. So some things I found during my research, uh, some of the family believe a lot of things, one of them possibly being a family member. Another thing was Johnny Blake Peterson was an American murderer and suspect serial killer who was linked via DNA to two murders committed in his native city of Las Vegas between 1979 and 1983. He was never considered a suspect in either killings during his lifetime, but when he died in the hospital of an overdose in 93... His DNA later came back to those cases. Oh, I hate to see that. So on Web Sleuth, I did find someone claiming that they were working with a family, and this person had stated, So I had been working with a family of Vicki Breck since it happened on 5878, and I got the autopsy report. She was actually tortured before she was dumped. She had abrasions of all kinds from her knees, upper torso, stabs... Uh, her head was kicked in. She was brutally murdered. And nothing that the newspaper or anybody mentioned, as a matter of fact, there's a few suspects, but the police nor the detectives didn't make any effort into the investigation. We believe there is more than one suspect because she had fingernail mark, bite marks and also a fractured nose. Right eye was sunken in. She had a hole on her left skull. So, I mean, she was very severely beaten. And then to add on that, there was an attempt sexual assault but fortunately, it seemed that they didn't succeed or something had happened and mm-hmm. they were scared off or who knows what the case may be. Like I said, a lot of the people that were speaking about these cases said that a lot of these girls were beaten, mm-hmm. but they're, they weren't the cause of death, so they weren't reported, unfortunately. Even though I would assume some of it has to be towards the cause of death because you're beating the life out of someone. Right. So our fifth victim is Peggy Sue Craven. Now, this one is a little different, but I figured it was worth mentioning because it's similar. Okay. So on August 1st, 1980, 26-year-old Peggy Sue Craven, she was a secretary for Borlas Plumbing Company and was found dead in one of the offices at the business. The initial investigation placed the time of the murder between 3.45 and 4.15 p.m. An autopsy determined that Peggy died as a result of strangulation and a blunt force trauma injury to the chest. There were indications that a sum of cash was missing from the business Peggy was recently divorced and the mother of two young daughters at the time of the murder. Employees at adjoining businesses were interviewed, but no one was able to provide any useful information. This one comes as a possible stretch, like I said. Because it seems more like a robbery, but I can see why. People were just linking it, so I figured I would mention it. The main thing that's similar is she was also beaten and she was strangled, which is even sad to even say out loud. But this case went cold and is still unsolved to this day, which I think is kind of crazy because 
you would think there's more evidence with this because there is a specific place that she was killed. Mm-hmm. There has to be fingerprints. There has well, to be. Well, in an office space. Mm-hmm. It's not out in the, the middle. She wasn't dumped. Yeah. yeah. Peggy was a young white woman with blonde hair. Not typical victim description, as I said. But if you look at them, they all still look very similar. Mm-hmm. And she had a very similar cause of death. I just thought I'd mention it because, like I said, multiple other people connected these. Mm-hmm. Why not mention it? So then our sixth victim, or possibly fifth victim if you want to not count Peggy Sue, Catherine Ty. So on February 7th, 1983, 17-year-old Catherine Ty left school at 1.30 p.m. as she normally did. Catherine was supposed to meet a friend to pick her up from school, but she never showed up to meet the ride. Failing to come home from school was far from Catherine's typical behavior, which prompted her parents to immediately involve law enforcement in searching for their daughter's whereabouts. Police had no luck in locating the young student, and local news reports indicated this was a case where someone had truly disappeared without a trace. On March 2, 1983, a man collecting empty cans in a vacant desert lot between Twain and Indios near Boulder Highway discovered the partially clothed body of a young woman lying face down under a bush. The man immediately contacted the police, and investigators soon identified the remains as those of Catherine Ty. The Clark County Coroner's Office determined that Catherine's cause of death was strangulation and that she had been sexually assaulted prior to her murder. Homicide detectives believe Catherine was murdered within one to two hours after her abduction. They noted the remains were discovered not far from her high school, but investigators had as little evidence to go on regarding the circumstances of Catherine's murder as they did her disappearance. From there, the case went cold, and again, no suspect has ever been identified. Catherine was also a white teen with dark brown hair. There were a few more, but luckily two of the cases were solved, indicating hopefully they weren't related, mm-hmm. I would assume, with all the DNA yeah. and stuff. Um, that's So that's a total of five or four, if you want to say Peggy Sue isn't part of that. Young women that went missing and were found dead in an area from 1971 to 1983 with similarities. And similarities such as they were all beaten to an extent. They, a few of them were strangled. Mm-hmm. A lot of them were around the same age, mm-hmm. same look, same build, it even sounds like. Yes. Yeah. And they all were very similar build. Like, they weren't your typical suit. I, I want to say this very lightly and very nicely. They weren't super skinny, but they were just mm-hmm. your average girl. Yeah, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yes. You're just t- like that healthy, typical yes. looking teen. Yeah. Yes. Going... So they weren't like overweight or anything, but they mm-hmm. weren't your typical super skinny, which I thought was interesting because they all were like that. They mm-hmm. all were very similar uh, in weight wise. And then, so of course I went to maps and penned all the locations that the young females were found. And it could take you from the start of the very top to the mm-hmm. very bottom one. So from the north to south, less than an hour to go to every single place, including that's very close Peggy Sue. And I just included her just because for obvious reasons but I, that's crazy close yeah it's you all live- in one state mm-hmm. when you would think i mean i'm sure it's different jurisdictions in different counties but maybe because it was the time back in the 70s they police didn't talk as much to each other but now you think that it would be reopened mm-hmm. there'd be more information there'd yeah. be more of an investigation because they think. are so close mm-hmm. and unfortunately we do see it a lot where counties even counties don't talk to each other, yeah. let alone states. Mm-hmm. So, you know, unfortunately, just because it's 2023, we can't bank on them talking to each other. Yep. 
And I don't even know if they're looking into these cold cases. Do these, does, I'm assuming Las Vegas has to have a cold case. I'm sure they department. do. I mean, they have to, they're huge. Mm -hmm. But whether they're looking at these girls, I don't know. So while doing research, I started looking into DNA again, and I just want to do like a little refresher. DNA was first used in forensic science in 1986 in the UK to prove a man did not commit a two-rate murder. The DNA wasn't used in the US until 1987. It doesn't mean that it was everywhere, and it doesn't mean that it was used regularly. It was available, but it, a lot of departments probably didn't have the money. Or, or take it means. seriously. Yeah. Because it was very new and it was questionable. So then later on, the FBI introduced CODIS, which is a combined DNA index system. And CODIS began a pilot project in 1990, but the FBI didn't introduce it nationally until 1988. The program began with nine states and soon expanded to all 50. But like I said, just because it's there does not mean that people had the means to use it or were actually using it. And a lot of times, if you look into older cases, DNA wasn't even entered because the people just didn't believe it. They yeah. thought it was like hocus pocus, you know, like yeah. witchcraft crap. Which like is how crazy. can that prove someone's guilt yes. or innocence? Yeah. And then you also had the unfortunate thing of it being sent and it was contaminated and then... Mm -hmm who knows who touched it and you know all that that sort of thing yeah obviously with this being in the 70s and 80s dna was like practically nothing mm -hmm. you had nothing uh you went off of fingerprints and hair sometimes mm -hmm. um and suspects yeah like yeah. witnesses witnesses yeah and so during the 1970s and 80s there were two men linked to killing women slash girls in the area the first one we had mentioned earlier johnny peterson um, he was an American murderer and suspect killer, serial killer, who was linked via DNA to two murders, like I had mentioned, in Las Vegas. He was never considered a suspect in either killings during his lifetime because, one, he traveled a lot, and two, he was into drugs, and he didn't really have, like, a lot of residents, you know? Yeah. Like, he wasn't staying a lot of places. He was, like, jumping around a lot. Right. And so, when he had an overdose in 93, his DNA was then later used, and this mm -hmm. was, I believe in 2021 is when he was like announced as the one that like was the murder mm -hmm. and then he's also been linked to possibly five other murders in las vegas oh wow so people are really speculating with him which i mean makes right. sense. well especially if he didn't really have one place that he was residing and he could have been just like a hitchhiker and he could have just yeah Almost or like even living out of his car he could right it depends mm -hmm. you know um and if he lived out of his car he could easily have he had the opportunity other people were considering this man. His name was John Doan or Doan. He was a convicted killer in Las Vegas. John kidnapped and killed a girl, Carolyn Lynn Lum, in 1978, who attended basic high school in Henderson, Las Vegas. Oh. And three months later, he asked a basic student, a basic high student, if she wanted a ride. And she said yes. And he threatened her and raped her and beat her and dumped her for dead. But luckily, she was found alive in 1979 and then that's when he gained the name screwdriver rapist which i don't know why they would ever say that but they did so that's close to where like one of the victims, victims went, went to, to basic, basic high, school. high school exactly and so you know if he's going around high schools picking up women or picking up young girls yeah. trying to do things well that's around that age uh, that one to me is mm -hmm. way more suspicious yes and sounds you know he was raping them he was beating them sounds it, very similar right you know, as always, I'm not saying these men kidnapped and killed these women and young girls, but I saw their name a lot while researching, 
and their mo's sound very similar mm -hmm. so i would like to mention i read multiple times that locals knew nothing of these missing girls or of them dying or anything but why they were so young i mean I, usually I think because I, the news was not covering it I, just, I hate to say it but i hate to say like young deaths are m more popular that's not what i'm trying to say but usually when it's a minor it's a younger person those are the deaths that are broadcasted more everywhere, heavily yes. and they're everywhere because mm -hmm. it is so hard to believe that someone could just come and take the life of somebody so, so young, young and innocent. so innocent mm -hmm. right so it's crazy that no one heard about it in the area. No one knew what was going on. Exactly. And I mean, I saw 20 people saying that or more just in one thread. Wow. Saying like, I lived in that area. How did I never know about this? Things like that. And I'm, that's, I think that's crazy. It is. Because obviously, how are they going to find people if they're not even broadcasting this as much as they can? If they're not making it a priority and they're not yes. bringing awareness, no one else is going to think anything of it. Well, and something else that I saw... So I actually contacted some of the libraries asking them about newspaper clippings because mm -hmm. I was really trying to see, am I really not just finding anything or are they all in the newspaper? Like, what is going on? And I only got one response because, well, I should say I only got one newspaper clipping. All of them responded and were super nice and helpful, but only one news clip. And when I tell you, it was the smallest, tiniest article I've ever seen in my freaking life. It's like one of those little itty bitty ones yes. that's off to the side, yes. buried in the newspaper. And it literally said, like, it was talking about one of them being found. It said, young girl found dead, the, you know, whatever it said. But it was so little. It was like five sentences. And that was it. That's nothing. I'm like, you're, you're really trying to get they the deserve, killer, aren't you? Yeah, they deserve more. Yes. More attention. Exactly. So I did find a few other young girls and women in the 80s and 90s that disappeared and were found dead in very similar areas and circumstances. I didn't want to go too much further because, you know, I could feel like I could go on forever. Yeah. But what is going on? Like, that's insane to me because and I, when I tell you these were very similar, I mean, it's the exact same thing. They were all being beat and they were all being found strangled or raped. Well, Hello? at that point, too, for the FBI to not really be involved. Mm -hmm. I mean, that says a lot that the police didn't even think to include the FBI and bring them in and say, hey, well, I think something's going on. We've got all these cases that are pretty similar. But they weren't connecting them at all. That's just They weren't even, like, considering from what I could read that they were connected. Well, it's like what was going on during that time that these cases were just put on the back burner. That's really what it seems like. So there was something that took more precedence over. Yeah, something had to have their murders. They weren't being taken. It wasn't being taken seriously. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But, you know, for length purposes, I didn't include the girls from the 80s and the 90s. But something definitely was going on. And unfortunately, no one was really looking into it. Or if they were, they weren't announcing it. And it's still, they have not announced it still to this day. If you have any information in regards to any of these cases, please call the Las Vegas Police Department Homicide Section at 702-828-3521. As always, thank you for listening to Crime Connections. If you would so kindly follow us, share, and go like us on Facebook at Crime Connections or follow us on Instagram at Crime Connections Pod. If you have any news, tips, or cases you want us to look into, please feel free to email or DM us. We love hearing from you guys, and we do really appreciate you. Um, we're glad to be back for our third episode. We cannot freaking wait to keep going. Um, yeah. Anything else you want to add? No. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Bye.